I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Welcome to Leaves of Glen, where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. Uh, this week, we're reading more stories from the Blue Fairy Book by Andrew Lang. It's the first out of 25 books of collected fantasy stories gathered from all around the world by his wife, Nora, mainly. I found out from what little I can get info on Andrew Lang that uh, his wife did all the translating and the compiling and everything. And he just kind of slapped his name on it, because that's the way things were back then. Uh, couldn't find any other information about him. Couldn't find any other information about the books themselves. And so I tried to put it out of my mind for my About the Author segment. And I couldn't, uh, couldn't really give it up. It was just nagging at me. And then while I was working over the weekend, uh, and I was taking a break to see who the next president of the United States will be, uh, I went to Vox.com, V-O-X, and uh, they declared Biden the president. No, at all. Look at that. So, I thought, that's weird. And I went over to CNN.com, nothing. NBC, nothing. All different websites, no one's got anything to say, except for Vox.com. Uh, that's odd. How can they just go ahead and do that? So then I went uh, to Reddit, the politics section, and I asked them... Uh, I couldn't find anything there. Nobody was saying anything. So I put a question out there saying, why is Vox.com declaring a winner already? And everybody uh, kind of chimed in, saying that they're not a real news outlet, so they can kind of do whatever they want. They don't have to worry about repercussions if they're wrong. And then one guy said, eh, maybe it's elves. And I went, ah, that's cute. Ooh, maybe this is my segment. So I said, what, a, what about those elves? And he goes, oh, uh... In Norse mythology, elves had amazing beauty and magic, which might cause illness to the human being due to their seduction and power, according to Norse mythology. And I said, uh -huh. yeah, anything else? And about 20 minutes later, he replied, uh, the loss of popularity. Uh, elves lost their popularity in the folklore or mythology after the medieval period. The uh, native terms like Huldra, Fairy, and Zwerk were often uh, used at that time. And then the guy asked me, do you want to know why I know so much about elves? And I said, no, just tell me more. And I, he waited a while, and then he wrote back, in the early modern period, uh, elves were depicted as human beings with magic and power who lived among the common people. And then I asked him for another one, and he said, you got to screw off. So then I DM'd him, and uh, he said, leave me alone, I'm blocking you. And then that was it, and I couldn't get a hold of him anymore. And I thought, well, hot dog, I've got my little section of about the author with a little bit of content. So I was pretty happy with that. Well, with that, let's uh, dive into the two stories, uh, Little Red Riding Hood and Sleeping Beauty.
Little Red Riding Hood. Once upon a time, there lived in a certain village a little country girl, the prettiest creature has ever seen. The prettiest creature was ever seen. Okay, whatever. Her mother was excessively fond of her, and her grandmother doted on her still more. This good woman had made her... Uh, for her a little red riding hood, which became the girl so extremely well that everybody called her uh, Little Red Riding Hood. One day, her mother, having made some custards, said to her, uh, Go, my dear, and see how thy, thy grandmama does, for I hear she has been very ill. Uh, carry her a custard, ah, this little pot of butter. Little Red Riding Hood set out immediately to go to her grandmother, who lived in another village. As she was going uh, through the wood, uh, she melt, met with a gaffer wolf. What's a gaffer wolf? Let's look it up. I got the Kindle again. Person in charge of others? A boss? All right, whatever. Who had a very great mind to eat her up, uh, but he dared not because of some, ooh, faggot makers <laughs> hard by the forest. <laughs> Uh, this must be the traditional term of sticks. So uh, he asked her whither uh, she was going. Uh, the poor child, who did not know that it was dangerous to stay and hear a wolf talk, said to him, eh, I'm going to see my grandmama and carry her a, uh, carry a custard and a little pot of butter uh, from my mama. Does she live far off? said the wolf. Oh, hey, <laughs> answered Little Red Riding Hood. It is beyond that mill you see there, the first house of the village. Well, said the wolf, I'll, I'll go and uh, see her too. I'll go this way, and you go that, and we shall see who will be there the soonest. Well, the wolf began to run as fast as he could, taking the nearest way, and the little girl went by the farthest about, diverting herself and gathering nuts, uh, running after butterflies, and uh, making nosegays of such little flowers that she met. What's a nosegay? What? Thanks to the Kindle, I'm going to look that up, too. Eh, small bunch of flowers. So she's just gathering up flowers. Just a bundle. All right, fine. Of such little flowers that she met with. The, the wolf was not long before he got to the old woman's house, and he knocked at the door. It actually says, tap, tap. Uh, who's there? Hey, grandchild. A little red riding hood, replied the wolf, counterfeiting her voice. Who has brought you a, brought you a custard? And a little pot of butter sent to you by Mama. Ah, the good grandmother, who was in bed because she was somewhat ill, cried out, uh, Pull up the bobbin, and the latch will go up. Well, the wolf pulled the bobbin, and the door opened, and then presently he fell upon the good woman and ate her up in a moment, ah, for it was above three days that he had not touched a bit. He then shut the door and went into the grandmother's bed, expecting Little Red Riding Hood, who came sometime afterward and, and, and knocked at the door, tap, tap. Eh, yeah, who's there? A little Red Riding Hood, hearing the big voice of the wolf, was uh, at first afraid, but believing your grandmother had got a cold and was hoarse, answered, uh, "'Tis your grandchild, Little Red Riding Hood, who has brought you, a, brought you a custard and a little pot of butter Mama sends you." Well, the wolf cried out to her, uh, softening his voice as much as he could, "'Pull the bobbin, and the latch will go up.'" Little Red Riding Hood pulled the bobbin and the door opened. The wolf, seeing her come in, said to her, hiding himself under the, the bedclothes, put the custard in a little pot of butter upon the stool and come and lie down with me. Oh, that's weird. 
Little Red Riding Hood undressed herself and went into bed, where, being greatly amazed to see how her grandmother looked in her nightclothes, said to her, Grandmama, what great arms you got? You have got. It actually says that. That is the better to hug thee, my dear. Hey, Grandmama, what great legs you have got? That's the better to run, my child. Hey, Grandmama, what great ears you got? That's the better to... To hear, my child. Grandmama, what, what, what great eyes you've got. Oh, it's better. It's to see the better, my child. Grandmama, uh, what great teeth you've got. It's better to eat thee up. And saying these words, this wicked wolf fell upon Little Red Riding Hood and, and ate her all up. And that's the end of that. The Sleeping Beauty in the Wood There were formerly a king and a queen who were so sorry that they had no children, so sorry that it cannot be expressed. Ah, they went to all the waters in the world, vows, pilgrimages, all ways were tried, and all to no purpose. At last, however, the queen had a daughter. There was a a very fine christening, and the princess had for her godmothers all the fairies that they could find in the the whole kingdom. In parentheses, they found seven that every one of them might give her a gift. As was the custom of fairies in those days, uh, by this means the princess had all the perfections imaginable. After the ceremonies of the christening was over, all the company returned to the king's palace, and there was prepared a great feast uh, for the fairies. There was placed before every one of them a magnificent cover with a case of massive gold, wherein were a, a spoon, a, ooh, a knife, a, ooh, a fork, all of pure gold set with diamonds and rubies. That sounds dangerous. One of them breaks off and gets your tooth. But as they were all sitting down at the table, they saw coming to the hall a very, uh, uh, very old fairy whom they had not invited because it was above 50 years since she had been out of a certain tower, and she was believed to be either uh, dead uh, or enchanted. The king ordered her a cover, uh, but could not furnish her with a case of gold as the others, because they only had seven made for the seven fairies. The old fairy fancied uh, that she was slighted, and muttered some threats uh, between her teeth. One of the young fairies who sat by her overheard how she grumbled, and, judging that she might give the little princess some uh, unlucky gift, went as soon as they rose from the table and hid herself behind the hangings, that she might speak last and repair as much as she could the evil which the old fairy might intend. In the meanwhile, uh, all the fairies began to give their gifts to the princesses. The youngest gave for her a gift that she would be the most beautiful person in the world. Uh, And next, that she should have the wit of an angel. And third, that she should have a wonderful grace in everything she did. The fourth, that she should uh, dance perfectly well. Uh, The fifth, that she should sing uh, like a nightingale. And the sixth, that she should play all kinds of music to the utmost perfection. The old fairy's turn came next, uh, with a head shaking, more with spite uh, than age. She said that the princess uh, should have her hand pierced uh, with a spindle and die of the wound. This terrible gift made the whole company tremble, and everybody fell a-crying. 
<laughs> Suddenly they're from the old south. At this very instant, the young fairy came out from behind the hangings and spake the words aloud. Assure yourselves, uh, oh king and queen, that uh, your daughter uh, shall not die of this disaster. It is true, I have no power to undo. Oops, bang, just hit the mic. Entirely what my elder has done. The princess shall indeed eh, pierce her hand with the spindle, but instead of dying, she shall only fall into a profound sleep, which shall last a hundred years, at the expiration of which a king's son shall come and awake her. The king, eh, to avoid the misfortune foretold by the old fairy, caused immediately proclamation to be made, whereby everybody was forbidden, on pain of death, to spin with a distaff and spindle or to have so much as uh, any spindle in their houses. Well, that's going to ruin an entire industry within your kingdom. About 15 or uh, 16 years after, the king and queen being gone to one of their houses of pleasure, the young princess happened one day to divert herself in running up and down the palace. Uh, When going up from one apartment to another, she came to a a little room on the top of the tower, uh, where a good old woman alone was spinning with her spindle. Ah, this good woman had never heard of the king's proclamation against spindles. Uh, What are you doing there, Goody? said the princess. Goody? I am spinning, my pretty child, said the old woman, who did not know who she was. Ha! said the princess. This is very pretty. Uh, How do you do do it? Uh, Give it to me, that I may see if I can do so. She had no sooner taken it into her hand than, whether being very hasty at it, Uh, somewhat unhandy, or by the decree of the fairy had so ordained it, it ran into her hand as she fell down in a swoon. The good old woman, not knowing very well what to do in this affair, cried out for help. People came in from every quarter in great numbers, and they threw water upon the princess's face, uh, unlaced her, ooh, they got her naked, struck her on the palms of the hands, weird, and rubbed her temples, uh, with hungry water. (laughs) <laughs> but nothing would bring her to herself. Did they also massage her feet? Like, all the stuff they're doing isn't very helpful. And now the king, who came up at the noise, but thought himself of the prediction. Oh, he's back from one of his pleasure houses. Uh, of the fairies. And judging very well that this must necessarily come to pass, since the fairies had said it, caused the princess to be carried into the finest apart. So the old woman genuinely was just an old woman who never heard about the ban 15 years later. That seems really weird, especially being in the castle where you'd think you'd definitely have heard about the band. Laid upon a bed, all embroidered with gold and silver. Uh, One would have taken her for a a little angel. Ah, she was so very beautiful. For her swooning, away had not diminished one bit of her complexion. Ah, her cheeks were carnation, and her lips were coral. Indeed, her eyes were shut, but she was heard to uh, breathe softly, which satisfied those about her that she was not dead. The king commanded that they should not disturb her, but let her uh, sleep quietly till her hour of awakening was come. The good fairy, who had saved her life by condemning her to sleep a hundred years, was in the kingdom of uh, Matakin, 12,000 leagues off. When this accident befell the princess, what is she doing, shopping? When this accident befell the princess, she was instantly informed of it uh, by a little dwarf uh, who had boots of seven leagues, that is, boots with which he could tread over seven leagues of ground in one stride. The fairy came away immediately, and she arrived about an hour after in a fiery chariot, 
drawn by dragons. Cool. The king handed her out of the chariot, and she approved everything he had done. But as she had very great foresight, she thought uh, when the princess should awake, she might not know uh, what to do with herself, being all alone in this old palace. And uh, this is what she did. She touched with her wand everything in the palace, except the king and the queen in parentheses, governesses, uh, maids of honor, uh, ladies of the bedchamber, gentlemen, just gentlemen in general, officers, uh, stewards, uh, cooks, yeah, they're useful. Undercooks, nah, not as useful. Scullions, whatever that is. Guards, uh, with their with their beef eaters. Uh, <laughs> what's a beef eater? I know that that's a brand of uh, gin, but yeoman of the guard in the Tower of London, originally a derogatory term for a well-fed servant. So it's okay. It's just a buddy. It's just like a little slave boy. Weird pages, footmen. Uh, she likewise touched all the all the horses, which were in uh, the stables, uh, pads as well as others. Uh, the great dogs in the outward court, uh, and pretty little Mopsy too. Who's Mopsy? I guess one of the dogs. They took the time to name this dog. We're never going to hear about again. The princess's uh, little spaniel, which lay by her on the bed. Immediately upon uh, touching them. Yeah, they all fell asleep, but that they might not awake before their mistress, and that they might be ready to wait upon her when she wanted them. The very uh, spits at the fire, as full as they could hold of partridges and pheasants, uh, did fall asleep also, and uh, this was done in a moment. Fairies, uh, not long in doing their business. Now there, king and queen, having kissed their dear child without waking her, of course not. They're not going to wake her. Went out of the palace and put forth a proclamation that nobody should dare to come near it. Well, we know one old lady who probably won't pay attention to that rule. This, however, was not necessary, for in a quarter of an hour's time, there grew up uh, all around about the park such a vast number of trees, uh, great and small, uh, bushes, eh, brambles, uh, twinning one within another, that neither man nor beast could pass through, so that nothing could be seen but the very tops of the towers of the palace, and that, uh, too, not unless it was a good way off. And nobody doubted but the fairy gave herein a very extraordinary sample of her art, uh, that the princess, while she continued sleeping, might have nothing to fear from any curious people. Well, uh, uh, when a hundred years were gone and passed, and the son of the king, then reigning, and who was of another family from that of the sleeping princess, uh, being gone a-hunting, on that's again with the southern uh, drawl, uh, on the side of the country, asked, uh, what, what those towers were which we saw in the middle of the great thick wood? Well, everyone answered, uh, according as they heard. Some said, eh, that is a, a ruinous old castle, haunted by spirits. Others that all the sorcerers and witches of the country kept there their Sabbath, or night's meeting. The common opinion was that, uh, that an ogre lived there, and that he carried thither all the little children he could catch, uh, that he might eat them up at his leisure without uh, anybody being able to follow him, as having himself only the power to pass through the wood. The prince was at a stand, not knowing what to believe, when a, a very good countryman spake to him thus, Eh, may it please your, uh, your royal highness, 
it is now about 50 years since I heard from my father, who heard from my grandfather, say that there was then in this castle a, a princess, uh, uh, the most beautiful was ever seen, and she must sleep there a hundred years, and should be waked by a king's son for whom she was reserved. Ooh, the young prince was all on fire at these words, believing uh, without weighing the matter that he could put an end to this rare adventure and pushed on by love and honor. Isn't this like his family member? Isn't he the son descended from the mother and father king who are still awake? Pushed on by love and honor, resolved that moment to look into it. Scarce had he advanced toward the wood when all the great trees, the bushes, and the brambles gave way of themselves to, to let him pass through. Yeah, well, he walked up to the castle, in which he saw at the end of a large avenue, uh, which he went into, and what a little surprise to him was that he saw none of his people could follow him, because the trees closed in again as soon as he had passed through them. However, he did not cease from continuing his way. A, a young and armorous prince is always valiant. He came into a spacious outward court, where everything he saw might have frozen the most fearless person with horror. Ah, there reigned all over a most frightful silence, and the image of death everywhere showed itself. And there was nothing to be seen but eh, stretched out bodies of men and animals, all seeming to be dead. He, however, knew very well uh, by the ruby faces and the pimpled noses of the beef-eaters. What are beef-eaters? That they were only asleep. And their goblets, wherein still remained some drops of wine, how, uh, showed plainly that they fell asleep in their cups. When he crossed a court paved with marble, he went up the stairs and came into the guard chamber, where guards were standing in their ranks with their muskets uh, upon the shoulders and snoring as loud as they could. For a hundred years they've been snoring. Their poor little throats have got to hurt so much when they wake up. After that, he went through several rooms full of gentlemen and ladies, all asleep, some eh, standing, uh, others sitting. At least, uh, he, at last, he came into a chamber all gilded with gold, where he saw upon a bed the curtains of which were all open. <clears throat> the finest sight was ever beheld. A princess who appeared to be about uh, 15 or 16 years of age again. And those bright and, in a manner, resplendent beauty had somewhat in it divine. Yeah, he approached with trembling and admiration and fell down before her upon his knees. And now, as the enchantment was at an end, the princess awaked and, looking upon him with eyes more tender than the first view might seem to admit of, uh, is it you, my prince? Uh, she said to him. Uh, you, you've waited a long while. The prince, uh, charmed with these words, and much more with the manner in which they were spoken, knew not how to show his joy and gratitude. He assured her that he loved her better than he did himself. How? He just met her. Plus, they're related. Their discourse was not well connected. They did weep more than talk, a little eloquence, a great deal of love. How? He was more at a loss than she, and we need not wonder at it. She had time to think on what to say to him, for it is very probable, the princes, though history means nothing of it, that the good fairy, during so long a sleep, had given her very agreeable dreams. (coughs) In short, they talked four hours together, and yet they said not half of what they had to say. In the meanwhile, all the palace awaked, 
Uh, everyone thought upon the particular business as uh, all of them were not in love, uh, that they were ready to die for their hunger. The, che- the chef, chief, nope, the chief, lady of honor, being as sharp as uh, other folks, grew very impatient and, uh, and told the princess aloud that supper was served up and the prince helped the princess to rise. Uh, she was entirely dressed and very magnificently. If your clothes have been sitting out in the open for a hundred years, they got to be pretty brittle and probably a thick layer of dust. There's so much about this story that bothers me. Not to mention her atrophying legs from not being used for a hundred... All right. And very magnificently, but his royal highness took care not to tell her uh, that she was dressed like his great-grandmother and had a point Ben peeping high over a high collar. Well, she looked not less bit charming and beautiful for all that. They went to the great hall of uh, looking glasses, where they supped and were served by the princess's officers, the violins and hot boys. Ah, played old tunes, but very excellent, though it was now above a hundred years since they had played. And after supper, how did the strings not break and stuff? Because they're brittle, because I'm moving on. And after supper, without losing any time, the food, again, rotted. And, all right, and the Lord Almoner married them in the chapel of the castle, and the chief lady of honor drew the curtains. They had but very little sleep. (laughs) The princess had no occasion, and the prince left her next morning to return to the city, where his father uh, must needs have been in pain for him. The prince told him that he lost his way in the forest as he was hunting, and that he had lain in the cottage of the charcoal burner who had given him cheese uh, and brown bread. The king, uh, his father, who was a good man, uh, believed him but his mother could not be persuaded it was true. And seeing that he was almost every day uh, hunting, uh, he was always and had some excuse ready for doing so. Uh, Though he had laid out uh, three or four nights altogether, she began to suspect that he was married. How? Where'd you come to that conclusion for? For he lived with the princess above the whole, uh, two whole years. It had by her two children, uh, the eldest of which, who was a daughter, was named Morning, uh, and the youngest, who was a son, uh, they called Day because uh, he was a great deal handsomer and more beautiful uh, than his sister. Uh, this guy just made babies with his great-great-grandma. <clears throat> the queen spoke several times to her son to inform herself uh, after what manner he did pass his time, and that in this he ought to uh, d- duty to satisfy her. But he never dared to trust her with his secret. He feared her, though he loved her. For she was of the race of the ogres, and the king would never have married her had it not been for her vast riches. It was even whispered about the court that she had an ogreish inclination, and that whenever she saw little children passing by, she had all the difficulty in the world to avoid falling upon them. And so the prince would never tell her one word. <laughs> but when the king was dead, uh, which happened about two years afterwards, and he saw himself a lord and master. He openly declared his marriage and went in great ceremony to conduct his queen to the palace. They made a magnificent entry into the capital city, she riding between her two children. Soon after, the king went to make war with the emperor Cantalabut. Kanta la B-U-T-T-E, his neighbor. He left the government of his kingdom to the queen and his mother and earnestly recommended of her care his wife and children. 
He was obliged to continue his expedition in all summer, and as soon as he departed, the Queen Mother sent her daughter-in-law to a country house among the woods that she might be uh, the more ease gratify her horrible longing. Am I missing something? So the... She's really an ogre? Some few days afterwards, she went (laughs) thither herself and said to her clerk of the kitchen, "Uh, I have a mind to eat a little morning for my dinner tomorrow. Ah, madam, cried the clerk of the kitchen. I will have it so, replied the queen. And thus she spoke in the tone of an ogress who had a strong desire to eat fresh meat and will eat her with a sauce Robert. Uh, and the poor man, knowing very well that he must not play tricks with an ogress, took his great knife and went up to the little morning's chamber. She was then four years old and came up to him, jumping and laughing to take him about the neck and ask him for some, uh, some sugar candy, upon which he began to weep. The great knife fell out of his hand and he went into the backyard and killed a little lamb and dressed it with such good sauce that his mistress asserted him that uh, she had never eaten anything so good in her life. He had at the same time taken up little mourning and carried her uh, to his wife to conceal her in the lodging he had at the bottom of the courtyard. About uh, eight days afterward, the wicked queen said to the clerk of the kitchen, I will sup on a little day. He answered, not a word. Being resolved to cheat her as he had done before, he went to find out little day and saw him with a little foil in his hand, which he was uh, fencing uh, with a great monkey, The child, being then only three years of age, he took him up in his arms and carried him to his wife that she might conceal him in her chamber along with his sister. And in the room, the little little day cooked up a, a young kid, very tender, which the ogress found to be wonderfully good. This was Hithro all mighty well. But one evening, this wicked queen said to her clerk of the kitchen, Alia, I will eat the queen! at the same sauce I had with her children. Oh, it was now that the poor clerk of the kitchen despaired of being able to deceive her. Uh, the young queen was turned of twenty, not reckoning the hundred years that she'd been asleep, and how to find in him the, the yard a beast so firm was what puzzled him. So he took uh, then a resolution that he might save his own life uh, to cut the queen's throat. And going up into her chamber with the intent to do it at once, he put himself into as great a fury as he possibly could and came into the young queen's room with his dagger in his hand, but he could not, however, surprise her, but told her with a great deal of respect the orders he had received from the queen mother. Do it. Do it, in parentheses, uh, said she, stretching out her neck. Execute your orders, and then I shall go find, uh, my, or then I will go and see my children, my poor children, who I so much uh, and so tenderly loved. Yeah, for she thought them dead ever since they had been taken away without her knowledge. Uh, no, no, madam, cried the poor clerk of the kitchen, all in tears. You shall not die, and yet you shall see your children again. Which must have been a weird thing for her to hear. But then you must go home with me to, to my lodgings. Now where I've concealed them, and I shall deceive the queen once more by giving her, in your stead, uh, a young mm, hind. Upon this, he forthwith conducted her to his chamber, where, leaving her to embrace her children and cry along with them, he went and dressed a, a young hind, which the queen had for her supper, and devoured it with the same appetite as if it had been the young queen. Exceedingly, she was delighted, with their cruelty, and she had invented a story to tell the king at his return 
how the, uh, how the mad wolves uh, had eaten up the queen and the wife and their two children. One evening, as she was, according to her custom, rambling around uh, about the courts and the yards of the palace to see if she could smell any fresh meat, she heard in a ground room a little day crying. His mama was going to whip him because he'd been naughty. And she heard, at the same time, a little mourning, begging pardon for her brother. Oh, the ogress presently knew the voice of the queen and her children, and being quite mad that she had been thus deceived, she commanded next morning by break of day more parentheses with the most horrible voice, which made everybody tremble, that they should bring into the middle of the great court a, a large tub, which she caused to be filled with toads, uh, vipers, uh, snakes, and all sorts of serpents, in order to have her thrown into the queen and the children, the clerk of the kitchen, the wife and maid, all whom she had given orders, should be brought thither with their hands tied behind them. Well, they were brought out accordingly, and the uh, executioners were just going to throw them in the tub. When the king, uh, who was not so soon expected, entered the court on a horseback, more parentheses before he came to the post, and asked, with the utmost astonishment, uh, what was the meaning of that horrible spectacle? Oh, no one dared to tell him. Uh, but then the ogress, all enraged to see what had happened, threw herself head foremost into the tub, and was instantly devoured by the uh, ugly creatures which she had ordered to be thrown in for the others. Uh, the king uh, uh, could not but be very sorry, for she was his mother. But he soon comforted himself with his beautiful wife <laughs> and his pretty children. Well, let's recap this episode. Uh, first, I had a brand new intro. Realizing that I have nothing important to say about my life like I used to when I first started doing this podcast, there's kind of nothing to recap uh, lately, so why am I struggling? So just get down to business, get in there, roll my sleeves up, which I did and I nailed it. Um, Little Red Riding Hood? Just a, just a disturbing story, doesn't have any kind of point to it. Uh, I guess, except for watch out for anthropomorphic uh, wolves. Uh, but otherwise, there's kind of no point. Just there to terrify kids. Sleeping Beauty? Uh, well, don't get a magical person mad at you. I guess that's the first step. And then the next step would be try to befriend other magical people to, uh, to help you out when, you're, when you painted yourself into a corner. And then also, in the end, it's apparently okay to... Marry your grandma. Isn't that how that worked out? I think it did. I think they were related. I don't know. These fairy stories, it's really okay to pretty much marry anyone you want. I mean, even an infant, I suppose. I mean, what's there's no other rules. Why would that be something that's uh, forbidden? Uh, what's good? Uh, kind of nothing. I mean, except for the fact they're fairy stories, so you're supposed to like them. Yeah, for, you'd be these for kids. But these aren't really kids appropriate. Uh, and were they ever? I guess they must have been. People had a different idea of what entertained children. No wonder people were so barbaric back in the old days, because they thought it was funny to have a wolf dressed up as a grandma uh, kill you. Uh, what sucks? Pretty much the whole story. Marrying your own family is weird. 
Uh, not a big fan of that. Uh, and also, you know, I get into the weeds with the technicalities of, well, if you're going to sleep for a hundred years or whatever the term was, that, uh, oh, what about the layers of dust that should be on you? And what about the, the floors rotting out underneath your bed? Uh, you know, water damage and all sorts of stuff that can happen. Uh, a house unattended for one year completely falls apart. Uh, you know, I'm sure a castle can't be that much longer. So, what do we learn? Well, like I said, uh, watch out for wolves. If you ever see a wolf at the zoo or anything, uh, they might just dress up as a person and try to ride home with you in your car and then probably eat you. Uh, and then just don't marry your grandma, I think is another thing we learned. Because that's not good. Well, with that, thanks for listening. Uh, and I'll see you on the next episode. And if you have any uh, questions or want to hear old episodes because you're some sort of weird fetishist, uh, you can go to nuzzlehouse.com uh, where you can get access to all that.